You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. The book of Ruth, chapter number one. Uh, how do you feel about your name? Or what's in a name? I, I can remember when I was a kid uh, that I didn't like my name very much. Jesse. I think Rick Springfield had a lot to do with that, perhaps. Uh, but that wasn't so bad. But what was worse is most of the Jessies that I ever knew uh, were Jessicas that went by Jesse for short. Anybody else? You know, no, if you're not named Jesse, I guess not. So I thought, man, I got a girl's name. This stinks. You know, so when I was a kid, I wished I had a different name. You know, something like Optimus Prime or... Uh, you know, Dragon Slayer, or just something really cool, Conan. Uh, but no, it was Jesse. Uh, and anybody else like that that ever wished they had a different name? I, I remember the, the, the one real name that I thought would be really cool and masculine was Michael. Don't know why, but I remember, so I wish my name was Michael. That's, I mean, I was like in elementary school, wishing I had a different name. Uh, because I didn't like that name. But I will say that as I grew... Uh, Jesse Jackson ran for office, and I really didn't like my name anymore after that. But then I learned about Jesse Helms, and it wasn't so bad. And then, uh, then I learned about Jesse James, and it got a little bit better. But what got even better was after I got saved by God's grace, which, by the way, tomorrow will be 30 years since I put my faith and trust in Christ. Uh, praise the Lord. But after I got saved, I was reading the Bible one day, and I read about a man in the, a man in the Bible named... Jesse. And right then and there, I said, I knew it. I've got a man's name. And so it's been good for me ever since. But, uh, but no, you know, uh, names matter. A name matters. You know, and in the Bible, names matter. Throughout God, and, and they really matter in the Bible, throughout God's Word, He changes the names of people. He, people aren't just named. Their names are even changed. You know, there's many examples, but Jacob is one. Jacob was a name. Anybody remember what Jacob's name means? Trickster, joker, supplanter. In other words, he was a deceiver. But he had an encounter with God, and then God changed his name to Israel. A prince. A prince with God. Uh, another man, I, there's, there's a bunch, and so you could probably think of some others, but I think of Gideon. Gideon. I love how that when God came and appeared to Gideon, he said, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. And he was a chicken. But God called him a mighty man of valor because he saw something in Gideon and he knew that he could make him a mighty man. But he was literally hiding when God found him. He was not a mighty man as he stood, but God saw what he could be. His name got changed to Zerubbabel, which I love this name. It means bell fighter. Bell fighter. Uh, by the way, I, I learned, uh, I'm seeing Nicole, there she is. Uh, I think about Nicole there. Uh, the, I heard about Susie one time, the, the director of Her Health in Sioux City, and she said, I'm a bell fighter because one of the, things, one of the ways you would worship bell was with the sacrifice of babies. But Jerubbabel became a bell fighter. And praise God, we need some bell fighters still today, don't we? We need some Jerubbabels. Uh, uh, even though that name don't sound very cool maybe to you. There was, uh, you know, several in the Bible, I think, about Simon and the Word of God in the New Testament. God changed his name to Peter, uh, which means rock. So when he spoke to Peter, he'd call him rock. 
You know, it reminds me if you're, if you're a baseball fan, and this goes back a few years, but there was a, a pitcher uh, for the Dodgers named Oral Hershiser, and his manager was Tommy Lasorda. And Tommy Lasorda saw this tall, skinny pitcher that could pitch, had a good arm, but he was very timid. He was very backwards. He just didn't have that go-getter kind of thing. So he looked at this skinny kid that didn't seem to have it, and he started calling him, anybody probably know, Bulldog. Go get him, Bulldog. He wasn't a Bulldog. He was a skinny kid that was scared of his shadow. But that's not what Tommy Lasorda saw. He saw a Bulldog. So he started calling him Bulldog. Guess what all Hershazer turned into? A Bulldog. Because names matter. Uh, Saul, in the, in the New Testament, his name was changed to Paul. So, you know, what, what does your name mean today? And even more than that, what do you go by? What do you go by? I want to introduce you to a woman this morning who was having... See if this sounds familiar in 2022. There was a woman that was having an identity crisis. She was having an identity crisis. She wasn't sure who she was. And what we're going to find out is this woman, she took on the identity of her pain. She took on the identity of her failure. She took on the identity of her circumstances. Notice what the Bible says here in Ruth chapter 1, verse number 20. The Bible says, And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? I'm going to tell you in a moment what that means in this woman's life, Naomi, who is having a crisis, identity crisis. But really the thing I deal with on a regular basis as a pastor is people who are also having identity crisis. They are, they're, they're going by a different identity than that which God calls them. They're going by a different identity. See, this woman, Naomi, lived in a little place called Bethlehem. At this time in, the, in, the, in history, Bethlehem wasn't a big deal at all. We know that it became a big deal. By the way, spoiler alert, it was, due, it was partly used to God using this woman for Bethlehem to come, become the big deal that it's become. Bethlehem. She lived there with her husband and her two sons. And this is the place, Bethlehem, where God wanted them to be. They were in God's place for their lives. But times got hard. You can read in the verses preceding. There was a famine that came. And her husband, Elimelech, took Naomi and their two sons, and they went to a place called Moab. Now, Moab was a place where God's people did not belong. And what was meant to be a brief stay in Moab turned into ten years. And what we find out about that, there's an old song and there's a principle that says sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And what we find out, not only that, is that sin costs you far more than you want to pay. Ten years. Moab. 
further than they wanted to get away from God. Ten years longer than they wanted to be away from God. And what was the cost? Her husband died in Moab. Her two sons died in Moab. And let me tell you something. Life isn't the easiest for a widow in 2022. But I'm telling you, in ancient times, life for a widow was desolate. Life for a widow was nigh unto hopeless. And so that's where she was at. But when the the famine was over, she heard that back home in the place of God, God was blessing. That that the barley barley was just growing everywhere and it was full and abundant. And they were just about to begin harvesting. And she thought, my chances of survival are better in Bethlehem than they are here. So like the prodigal. Remember the prodigal said, I'll just go home and be as one of the hired servants. Much like the prodigal. Uh, Naomi's just thinking, I'll go and and hopefully, uh, you know, there were some provisions given for the poor during this time. Uh, Interestingly enough, you think about this, we're in harvest time. One of the provisions that God made for for the poor is He would say, uh, don't, for a couple different things for the poor. He would say, when you harvest your field... They didn't have big combines that's getting everything. But when you harvest your field, if something falls on the ground, leave it there. Ear of corn falls, leave it. That way, later on, after after you get your uh, livestock and everything out of the field from harvesting, the poor can come and pick up that corn and, and get what's ever left. And also, when you're harvesting your field, don't harvest the corners of the field. And that way, the poor can get in there. So God had provisions for the poor. So Naomi had a good chance if she went back there. But she didn't go alone. As we'll see in just a moment, her daughter-in-law, Ruth, which is the name of the book, says she wants to go with her. All right, And, And vows to go with her and commits to go with her. Naomi, in our text, allows us to see two different scenarios to where somebody loses their identity, forgets who they are. Two different scenarios that that we can see here. Number one, negative circumstances beyond her control. Perhaps, and let me tell you something, through the course of your life, you are going to encounter circumstances that are adverse, that are sad, that are hurtful, that are, may I say, devastating. You have zero control over. Bad things... And I almost want to put this in parentheses for later, but bad things that happen in your life. You didn't do anything. You have no control over it. But now you've got some illness. There's a death in the family. You lose your job. By the way, may we pray for you know, those in our community. I mean, uh, all the Tyson jobs that are, uh, that, are, that are left and all the families today that are making serious decisions. May we be in prayer for those families and for those people. Those are things over which people have no control. Betrayal. Somebody doing you wrong. She presents that scenario to us because she was the wife of a man who decided to go to Moab. So, really, she wouldn't have had a whole lot of say in whether or not they went to Moab or not. So, the circumstances she found her in, in a lot of ways, you could argue were beyond her control. So, that can cause us to lose our identity. Okay? And, 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 and forget our identity. All right, then the second thing is, on the other hand, she could also illustrate, because our text doesn't seem to indicate that she fought or that she stood up. It seems to me as if she went along willingly. And the point there is, have you ever made a mistake 
Have you ever made the wrong decision? Maybe, and, and I say that facetiously, if, uh, uh, if you say that you haven't made the wrong decision, you've made the wrong decision by lying to yourself, okay? We make poor choices sometimes. And how many of you know along with those poor choices, choices always have, what boys? Consequences. There's always consequences with our choices. So, so in, in, in both scenarios, but, but for the sake of the message today, an identity crisis. What is your name? What do you go by? Because in both situations, we can lose our identity. You say, well, what are you talking about here? See, both scenarios lead to pain, loss. Both lead to dismay. You know what dismay means? Dismay basically means to get knocked off course. Have you ever been going along good in your life? Something bad out of your control happens? And all of a sudden you kind of get knocked off course a little bit? You get away from God. When we read these words that we read about Ruth, the Almighty, I mean, she, she says the Almighty hath afflicted me. God has cursed me. God is punishing me. And so she's off course. She's no, so that's what it means to be dismayed, just knocked off a course. And then, of course, not only dismay, but then despair. Despair is utter hopelessness. Have you ever been close to there? Maybe you've been there hopelessness okay so she does what so many of us do in her text she says don't call me Naomi call me Mara now here's a, here's here's how this would kind of work Naomi you know what her name meant it meant beautiful it meant pleasant so just imagine when Elimelech the opportunity to introduce people to his wife. Oh, it's nice to meet you there. And, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, I'm a Limelech. And, and, and this is, oh, this is beautiful. This is pleasant. Nice to meet you. Think about this. All her life. Can you just imagine when they're playing with little, Na- little baby Naomi and they're saying, hello, beautiful. Hello, pleasant. Hello, uh, you, you just precious child. As, as a toddler, that's what she hears. Hey, can I put something in your uh, mind right now? It's important what you call your kids. Because there's some of you right now that your identity perhaps for a long time has been stupid. That's what you were told your name was. So now that's your identity. And, and, and you don't really go up to people and introduce yourself as oh, I'm stupid or I'm dummy. That's what I call my dog. Uh, and, uh, and it hurts his feelings too, but i got to take it out on somebody. But, uh, but, but, but so what I'm saying is, that's how some people live. Hey, ugly. That's some people's identity. Worthless, right? How about this? Some people's identity. What's their identity? Hello, I'm angry. Ruth changed hers to bitter. Some people say, I'm hopeless. I know people whose name is failure. That's what they go by. That's their identity. Oh, no, they'll introduce you and tell you what their name is. But what is their identity? Their identity isn't Jesse. Their identity is, hello, I'm hopeless. Hello, I'm worthless. Hello, I'm a drunk. That's who I am. Hello, I'm a sinner. You know, I'm fornicator. I'm, 
you know, whatever the case may be. People identify. They're identifying themselves. But so what Naomi does is she says, no, 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 no. Don't call me beautiful anymore. Don't call me pleasant anymore. Call me Mara. Mara goes back. Some of you Bible students will remember in Exodus 14 when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, they came to a place where they drank some water. They were thirsty and God led, God led them to some water. And they began to drink the water, but the water was bitter. So they called the name of that place Mara. Because they were, had a bad taste in their mouth. They had something that they were taking in that was nasty. And they called it bitter. Mara. So she says, no, no, no. Don't call me beautiful anymore. Don't call me pleasant anymore. That's not my name. Call me bitter. And you can read in her words that she was bitter against God Almighty. So she was here... This beautiful woman, this pleasant woman, and when I'm talking to beauty, understand here, I'm not just talking about a physical attraction here. I'm talking about it carries the idea that she, just, she was a pleasant person. You, 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 ever, you ever know just a beautiful person? I mean, there's some, there's some incredibly beautiful people in this church, aren't there? And, uh, and, and, you, and you may look like Bud, but still beautiful, amen? Uh, I think of beautiful, I think of Bud every time. And... Uh, because what it is, it's not just your physical appearance. It's, 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 your, it's just the way you are. It's your aura. It's your personality. And so, uh, beautiful. That's how she was. So again, what is your name today? I, you know what? I've let a, met a lot of Christians, and you know, what they, you know what they identify as? Hello, I'm Worrier. I, and I'd say, well, did you say Warrior? No, 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 no. I'm a Worrier. I like to Worry. I, no, no, not, not warrior, because you can't be a warrior and a warrior. I'm warrior. And they just identify with that. They just take that name and they say, that's who I am. That's who I am. But I'm telling you, God calls you a warrior, not a warrior. He's got a different name for you. And that's what we find out in this text and in this story. See, what are you allowing to define you today? What are you allowing to define you who? You know what some people's name is? Victim. Victim. It's sad that there's kids being taught in school today to be victims. What's your name? I'm a victim. I'm somebody that has no control over what's happening and going on in my life. I'm a victim. Uh, you know, we, 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 I had this conversation not too long ago, and I think it's a powerful thing to understand that uh, your name is not, you know, it reminds me, I, I love what uh, people that, that survive, whether it's, whether it's a disease or, or whether it's a domestic abuse or child abuse or molestation or whatever, and they don't identify that. They don't identify as I am a victim of A, B, or C. You know what they say? I'm a survivor. That's difference, isn't it? I'm a survivor of this. See, in other words... What are you letting define you? You let things define you. If you're not careful, you will let other people define you. Some of you, seriously, if you're not careful, you will go by what other people have said about you. Well, I guess that's me. And by the way, I do just want to, again, encourage you parents, encourage you grandparents, call kids what they need to be called. Call them something encouraging. Them something that's a blessing. Speak a blessing upon them. Speak a blessing into their life. I love this thing, and 
And, and I'll just let you in on this. I've done it to a few of the kids in here, and I'll continue to do it. But uh, I got this from Zig Ziglar. Anybody uh, my age or older? I'll say that a lot of times, my age or older. Uh, but Zig Ziglar uh, was just, just a great man, great speaker, great, great heart and love for people. But, uh, but I heard the testimonies of grown men and women who that when they were little, Zig Ziglar came up to them and says, this may sound familiar to some of you kids because I'll still do it. I'll come up and I'm just going to treat Shane like a kid. And, uh, but I would just come up and, I would, and Zig Ziglar would do something like this. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a second there, Shane. Let me look at you a second here. I knew it when I saw you. I knew it. You're a winner. I see it in you. I can tell that you're somebody that God's made you special. You're a winner. You matter. Let me tell you something. Shane's not a kid, but he probably feels pretty good right now. <laughs> Amen. Um, but what happened? There were grown adults that said that stuck in their minds. And they believed from that point on, Wow. Not because they didn't know who Zig Ziglar really was. He was somebody, but, but to them, he was just some dude telling this. But it was just those words being spoken to them. You matter. You matter. Some of, some of us, and listen, I say us, does anybody like to beat themselves up? So, and you know me. You, but I, there, there's a good chance before I'm done preaching today, if you pay attention, if I'm not careful, I'm going to be beating myself down before it's over with. I'm terrible about it. But by God's grace, I always try to come back to the truth that ultimately, I am a conqueror. I am forgiven. That's my name. That's my identity. Veronica sung that song today. What's my name? I'm worth it. How are you? I'm someone whom Jesus loved enough to die for. How are you? I'm forgiven. How are you? I'm blessed. I'm saved. I'm a conqueror. Uh, you know, I'm accepted in the beloved. How are you? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? What's your identity today? And I hope that your identity is found in Christ. God teaches us through the life of Naomi how to know and embrace our correct identity. To see ourselves as God sees us. And to see how God's hand of providence worked in her life and is working in your life this very moment to bring you to the place of victory and blessing. Number one, this is interesting. What are some things that God did to help Naomi go from wanting to call herself Mara to accepting again her name Naomi? Number one, it's interesting. God brought into her life an unexpected friend. I promise you, to some extent or another, probably every one of us are here today because of some unexpected friend. Ruth was a Moabite. She was not somebody who, 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 she was a pagan, did not know God. But by the way, can I say something about her? There was something about Ruth that brought, God brought this friend, this unexpected friend in your life. Aren't you glad when somebody brings somebody in your life that believes in you? Somebody that God brings into your life that looks at you and just sees something that other people don't see? If you're here today, God's brought some people into your life like that. And one of them's standing up here right now. And, 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 and may, I, may I hasten to say, one of my absolute favorite things, as I was studying this, it dawned on me, one of the favorite things of my entire life and ministry, I see Time and time again, 
I'm dealing with people who got the wrong name or using the wrong identity when I meet them. There's some of you still do it But you talk about a powerful thing when I see people start seeing their identity through God's eyes instead of their own eyes. When I start seeing that hope, when I start seeing that, the, 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 the joy of, wait a second, I'm not hopeless. Hey, you, you know what some of the, the, the our young people, listen, the, the teaching of this macroevolution stuff, you know, part of what that teaches is, you know what your name is? Accident. Accident. Um, rather than created with a purpose. Shaped in the mother's womb. Man, that's a different identity, isn't it? But I love when I see people begin to say, wait, wait, wait. I am a victor in Christ. Or, if it's someone who doesn't know Christ, when they say, wait, you mean my name can be forgiven? Rather than sinner? Rather than transgressor? My name can be saint? Yes! And one of the joys of my ministry is seeing that happen. Here's the thing about Ruth. You know what I believe about Ruth? Ruth, why? If you read this, well, let's read it. Let's just, I'll read it to you. It's more powerful than what I got to say. Look at what the Bible says here. Uh, I got a reference for it somewhere here. In verse number 16, Naomi is trying to say, hey, look, I'm going back as a poor lady begging. I, there's no reason for you to follow me back to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem. Verse 16, and Ruth said, this is chapter 1, verse 16, and Ruth said, I entreat, or entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee, for, for whether thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God shall be my God. Listen, you know what she was saying right there? I'm not giving up on you. And you're looking at a preacher that ain't giving up on you. Now, there's an extent to where I'm not going to try to force you, and bang you over the head until I'm telling you you're a victor, you know, no. But I'm telling you, I, I have hope. I see people walk away and not come back. I don't lose hope. I keep believing. She believed. Verse 17. Where thou diest, will I die? There will I be buried. The Lord do, do so to me, and more also if aught but death part me and thee. Verse 18. Then when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left off speaking to her. Ruth said, I'm going with you. I'm sticking with you. I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting you go without me. I'm going with you. Do you think maybe Ruth saw some beauty in Naomi? Do you, say she, do you think there was maybe something pleasant she saw in Naomi? See, she was able to see something in Naomi. And, and if listen, if God will help us, I'm glad that there's people that were able to look at me through God's eyes instead of just their natural eyes. Because you don't see much if you just look at me for what I am. But there's people that begin to look at me through the eyes of providence, through the eyes of grace, the way God looks at me. And if we'll learn to look at people that way, we'll quit identifying people by the way as hopeless. Preacher, you, don't, you ever hear these people talk? They're nuts. They don't get, I mean, they're, they're, they're messing up the most simplest things ever. There's no hope for these people. No, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. There's hope. Because my God is bigger than the lies. The truth is bigger than the lies they've been told and that they've swallowed. So, so there was an unexpected friend. Quickly, there were circumstances. Notice this real quickly. Verse 20. She's, notice what she said again. And, and, and said unto me, said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara. Call me bitter. 
For the Almighty hath dealt very, very bitterly with me. God's been bitter against me and I'm bitter against God. God's let these circumstances come into my life. I don't understand why. I went out full. The Lord hath brought me home empty. Why then call ye Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me? I'm bitter. Why? Because God's against me. I walked away, either, either one, I walked away, went the wrong way, I'm reaping the results of that, things are going wrong in my life, God's against me. Or, I didn't do anything. And all of a sudden, things just started falling apart in my life. God, why are you against me? Why are you punishing me? What are you doing? <laughs> but what this gives us a glimpse of is this. See, whether you're in a bitter place because of the, your choices or the choices of another, see, here's what happened. God allows circumstances into your life to refine you. In other words, to make you better. It's for your good. It's for His glory. But, Naomi did what a lot of other people do. What was meant to refine her, she allowed to define her. It was meant to refine her, but now she allows it to define her. We talk about our childhood. We talk about all these things that have gone wrong. I'm telling you, that does have to define you. The way I grew up doesn't have to define me. Uh, you know, I, I think, and you know, I don't share this very often, but even the fact that I, I was, I was uh, molested as a child, that doesn't define me. I'm not a victim. I'm a conqueror, amen? I'm a survivor. I don't let that define my life. So these circumstances that she encountered, it was meant... And listen, I'm not saying these things are good. They're not of God. God is not... God does not do evil. But we live in a world where evil is allowed. It, it, because God allows people to make their own decisions. And people make a lot of wrong decisions. And that affects us. And sometimes our decisions affect others. But the point is, is even in the evil of Satan working, in the, even in the evil of others' decisions, God is able to bring good out of these things. What's meant to refine you should not define you. Okay, so she had a friend, she had circumstances that she thought was working against her. But what you find out, think about this. These bitter circumstances, all that this stuff that's going on against me, has her now pointed in this direction. And while these circumstances, each step she takes is leading her to the place where God's about to dump a big old bucket of blessing on top of her. And the whole time she's, uh, the whole time that these circumstances are driving her toward the, 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 these blessings and the greatest thing in her life, she's fussing and complaining about God, hating her and being against her. God's not against you. God's for you. God wants you, if you're not saved, He wants you to make sure that you know Him as Savior. If you're saved, He wants you to grasp your identity. Notice these unexpected blessings quickly. Chapter 2, verse 1, we're introduced to a man by the name of Boaz. There's a man there that's going to all of a sudden become interested in this girl called Ruth. This man happens to be a, be a near kinsman to Naomi. 
which means that she's about to be blessed by what he owns when he restores to her that which was lost. Did you know God can, can restore some things that have been lost in your life? He can restore lost joy, lost peace. He can, he can restore lost mind as it seems sometimes. See, and God begins to work. Verses 18 and 19, look, look with me quickly. Chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law with whom she had wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. Now, just to get you caught up, remember I told you earlier what poor people could do? Go pick up the scraps out of the field, get the corners. That's just usually enough to survive on. But Ruth comes home, I mean, bushels of barley over her shoulder, just dragging a big old another pile behind her. I don't know exactly what it was like. She came back with a load. And by the way, it said she was already sufficed. She had already eaten. And she's bringing this big old pile in for who? For Naomi. Why? Because God all of a sudden starts to bless her. God all of a sudden starts to show her something. Ruth 3, 17, the Bible says, And she said, These six measures of barley gave he me, and he said unto me, Go not empty unto thy mother-in-law. God's always thinking about Naomi throughout this whole thing. The Bible says in Romans 2, 4, That the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Naomi began to see a glimmer of hope. She begins to believe again. So, here's what happens. God enables us to define what we're going through rather than let what we're going through define us. I'll say that again. The walk and way of victory is learning that we can define, not ignore what we're going through, define what we're going through, not let what we're going through define us. Like you, I go through bitter and difficult times. And in those times, I don't get it. And I don't understand. Perhaps like you, I've made a mistake and I've brought something on myself. And I'm upset about it and thinking God's just against me and just done with me. And I, but, but rather than let that define me, I start defining my circumstances. And I say, you know, I, I really don't know why I'm going through this difficulty. I don't know why. One thing I do know is that God loves me. And so I'm going through something difficult right now. And I don't get it. But the way I'm going to define this is like Paul defined it. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them that are the called according to His purpose. We know this. So, so I, and you know what else Paul said? He says, so, so, so therefore I know, listen, I know this is right. I know this is right. That's hard to say. I've shared with you when Natalie was yet in Melanie's womb and, and there was a scare about the development of her heart. Uh, it seemed like only a couple chambers had developed, if I remember correctly. There was a great scare there. That's scary. Your baby, you know. Uh, and, and, but, but you know, but you know the, 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 what God gave me? 
is I wasn't sure how to, that, that, I, was, I don't, wasn't sure how this was going to define me, but I knew how I was going to define it. And God gave me and reminded me of the words that, that was spoken between him and Abraham, and it was a rhetorical question that was asked, will not the judge of all the earth do right? Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Is God going to do right? Is God going to do you right? Well, preacher, if you've got a baby that's born with an undeveloped heart, then I guess not. God's not doing you right. No, you're wrong. God's still right. Hey, you get an illness. It's still right. God's still right. Why? Because He loves you like crazy. He's not against you. He's not trying to destroy you. You say, well, it sure feels like it. I understand that it feels like it. But what I'm telling you is, the truth of God's Word defines it as, I don't understand it, but I know God's still good. And I know somehow this is going to work out for my good and for His glory because He loves me that much. So you don't let it define you. You define it. If it's you being chastened for your sin or scourged for your sin, you can say, you know what? God's doing this because He wants to get me right. He loves me, cares too much about me. See, we need to learn to look at what we're going through through the lens of God's promise and providence. All right? Paul said this in Philippians 1.12, But I would that you should understand, brethren, understand this, he says, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So it impacts me. Listen to this. It may impact you, but it doesn't own you unless you let it own you. It can impact me. It can touch me. It can disturb me, but it doesn't have to own me. I want to share just a couple more thoughts and, and, and then I'll be done. Number one, we see an example of a man who learned to look at things right. We, we learned that a man who did not dismiss what he was going through, but he defined it. There was a man named Joseph. Joseph was a man that did right by his father. Matter of fact, he was a 17-year-old kid that did everything right by his father. Tried to please God, tried to please his father. How was he rewarded? He had older adult men, brothers, who beat him up, threw him in a pit, wanted to kill him. Another brother convinced them to sell him as a slave. How merciful. He goes to Egypt. He works as a servant long enough to get accused and thrown into prison, an Egyptian prison for 10 years. But throughout all of it, by the way, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. And let me tell you something. Through everything you're going through, the Lord is with Evan. The, 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 the Lord is with Tasha. The Lord is with you. Through everything you're going through. Alright? But, but he goes through all of that. And do you remember what he said when his brothers finally got to forgive him? He said this. Listen, he defined it. He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You mean, the world may mean it for evil. The devil may mean it for evil, but God means it for good. And there's something cool there because the, the, the theme of names kind of continues. Because in Genesis 41, uh, Zach, uh, share with me a great message that refers to this. Genesis 41, verses 51 through 52. And Joseph called the name of his sons. He had two sons in Egypt. He called the firstborn Manasseh. For God said he, hath made me forget all my toil in my father's house. (laughs) 
So translated, he's basically saying this. I'm going to name the, my firstborn Manasseh, which means this, I let that stuff go. I let that stuff go. Hey, weren't you hurt? Weren't you a victim? Weren't you betrayed? And aren't you bitter? And aren't you angry? No, I let that stuff go. Then he named his second son Ephraim, which means God's made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. You see that? But on the other hand, there's another man who couldn't let it go. Some of you are familiar with the context of Hebrews chapter 12. It talks about looking diligently, you know, unto yourselves. Lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and defile many. Do you know where that comes from and what the context is? He uses Esau as an example. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. The Bible says that when you get bitter about your circumstances, bitter about what's going on in your life, the Bible says there's a lot of bad results from that. But one of them is you can become a fornicator, you become a profane person. But it says that you defile many. Listen to this. So you think about, you think about Ruth in a moment. We're going to consider her uh, descendants in the way of closing. But Joshua's descendants turned out pretty well. But who, who's Esau's de- de- de descendants? They called them Edom. The Edomites. E-D-O-M. Edom. Not Esau or the Esauites. Esau means Mary. Edom means red. Edom means red. And there's some people that just believe that he, he was red-headed. That could be true. But there's some people that think there's truth to this, that the red refers... As a matter of fact, it actually says it right here in Hebrews... It says they were called Edom, and it refers to what? The one morsel of bread. It refers to the pottage that he was tricked by. His brother, I mentioned earlier, Jacob tricked him, said, hey, give me your birthright, and I'll give you this this bowl of red pottage. The idea is that it was red pottage. So then his descendants from that point on call, call themselves red. All right? So the idea behind that is, if that's, If that is indeed the connection, which I believe it is, and here's why. The Edomites are mentioned in terms of judgment more than just about any other people in the entire Old Testament. Edomites. Why? They're always bitter. They're always mad. They're always trying to get back at Israel. Where'd that go back to? They identified themselves. What did they name themselves? Red. Because I don't want you to ever forget those Israelites tricked us. Those Israelites robbed us. And so Esau goes off the scene. But don't worry, his son's coming. They're still mad and bitter and angry. See, in other words, if you're not careful, what you decide you're going to identify with, your children will learn to identify with. You will defile many. And then the the last passage I want to share with you, because believe it or not, this all leads to Jesus Christ. Ruth chapter number 4, verse 13 The Bible says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and he went in unto her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son, and the the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. 
Man, you, have things got a little bit better for her? Oh, God's bitter and God's judging me. But it's leading her. Some of you are sitting here today with that attitude, but you're here. Or you're listening. And you don't realize it, but God's like, that's right. Come on, come on, come on. Bam! Here it is. Naomi. Just blessed. I mean, if, you, if there was a picture, her socks were literally blessed right off her feet. I mean, she is so blessed. She, she is happier than she has ever been in her life. Why? Because all of these bad things. That's why. But she learned to identify them correctly through the lens of God's providence. But it doesn't stop there. The Bible says that Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. Naomi's getting to watch this little baby all the time. Ain't it good having grandbabies around? And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name saying there's a son born into Naomi, and they called his name Worship. Obed. Worshiper. Because now this bitter woman is worshiping God. This bitter woman's heart is turned unto God. This once bitter woman is now a woman of praise. Now she's a woman with a smile on her face and a song in her heart and a spring in her step. Why? Because she realizes, indeed, she's beautiful. She's pleasant in God's eyes. And can I tell you something else? God never called her Mara. You notice that in the text? God never does that. I, I remember at work one time, I met this fella. We became friends. He was my Christian rapper friend that I've referred to before. Sometimes he listens. Uh, and so, but DeAndre, if he's listening today, and when I very first met DeAndre, I was like, hey, I was like, hey my name's Jesse. He's like, okay. He said, yeah, man. He said, my name's uh, DeAndre, but you can call, some people call me Dr. Dre. I'm like, yeah, I'm not calling you that. <laughs> nice to meet you, DeAndre. You know what? Here, here's, here's Naomi. Here's beautiful. Here's pleasant. And she's saying, just call me bitter. And you know what God's saying? Yeah, not calling you that. Not calling you that. I'm going to keep calling you what your name really is. I'm going to keep hallelujah. I'm going to keep glory to God. I'm going to keep calling you by your real identity. I'm glad no matter what I get in what kind of shape, I'm glad God still calls me beloved. I'm glad God still calls me chosen. Hallelujah. I'm glad God still calls me loved everlasting. Praise the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. Because her name, she gave him a name called Obed, which means worship. And, his, and, and, and he became the father of Jesse. Remember I referred to that earlier? He became the father of Jesse, who became the father of David. So Ruth is the umpteenth, and Naomi is the umpteenth grandmother of the Lord Jesus Christ. So even in her life, it leads to Jesus. Because may I tell you today about a name, the lovely name of Jesus Christ. His name. There's none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says that, he, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess. And folks, today I, I think about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And you know today that if, you do, if your name is not yet forgiven, God can forgive you today. If you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior, Jesus wants to change your name. 
Jesus wants to change uh, your identity. He, he wants to change your t- name to forgiven. He wants to change your name to child of God. If you're here today and you're not saved, and if you are here today and you are saved by God's grace, I'm glad there are some of you that are starting to grasp on to your true identity. But there's still some of us that are struggling with our identities. There's still some of us that are like, nah, not really me. I hear all this victory you know, stuff and I hear all this, but I don't, that's not me. I'm somebody else. I'm a loser. I'm no willpower. I'm this or I'm that. No, no, you're not. Learn to identify yourself the way God defends you, uh, identifies you. Let's all stand today. And folks, the most important thing I want to say before I go any further is just to remind you that the greatest thing you do need to make sure of is that you know Christ as your Savior. God's gift to you is eternal life. Have you received that gift? Have you received that forgiveness? Maybe today is the day that your identity changes to child of God. And Christian, if God's worked on your heart today, listen, this altar is open. Whatever your need may be today, would you be obedient to the Lord?